0: A lack of connection between you and the Lord. And this this morning is an invitation to you. Some of you here this morning don't even know what I mean when I say good news or gospel. And I am so glad that you're here on this day to hear the greatest story ever told. I mean, a miracle of history. And I'm not talking about the fact that the Cubs are in the World Series. That's what we call in theology a second class miracle. Yes, joke in there. But the 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 miracle, I mean, the greatest miracle uh, of earth is that God came down and became man. God incarnate in Jesus came down and became man. In Mark chapter 1, 14 and 15, this is the beginning of Jesus' uh, public ministry. It says Jesus went into Galilee. He was proclaiming the good news. The Greek words just, evangelion, evangelism. It means it's the gospel. It's just. Hey, this is a great news. If a if a Greek uh, um, uh, person who herald like Jacob, if a Greek herald were to come to a town in the first century to proclaim some news, it would be called the gospel in that culture. The good news. This is what the king says. This is what the king says. And so Jesus' first message of good news is this: the time has come, a special time. I won't go into the Greek too much, but in, in Greek, there are a couple of words for time. One of them is chronos. It's time that goes along like this. And we're used to that chronology on our watches. Another word is kairos. And that's the word used here. Jesus says the time has come. The kairos, the once in a lifetime, the kingdom of God manifest. The like, here's God breaking into your life. Time has come. Jesus says the time The Kairos, the cross of your life, has come right now. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That's Jesus' first message. The kingdom is here. What Jesus is saying right off the bat, the the beginning of the good news is this. There is a king ruling over the earth. And he's not a human king. He's Jesus Christ, Lord of all. King of kings. Lord of Lords, Jesus says, Hey, there's a new era coming. It's coming with me, God incarnate. And there's a new ruler on earth, a a new king, a king that's of God, not of man, a king that's of righteousness, not wickedness, a king that brings joy and not depression, a king that brings hope and breeds hope and conveys hope and not despair. A king that brings with him unconditional acceptance and not performance-oriented uh, kudos to you for all your strength and power. Jesus says right at the beginning, the kingdom is here. The rule and the reign of God has come. And the proper response to that, Jesus says, is repent and believe. Turn from anything that's not Jesus is Lord and believe in the good news that a new king has come. And the best part of this news to me, you can have a personal relationship with that king. That king is not the king that, you know, if you come into his presence without him asking, he strikes you dead. This is a king who walked into your presence, veiled as a man. and said, I'm here to rule and reign in your life in a, in a sovereign, good, glorious way like you've never seen before. And so Jesus says, repent and believe, turn from your trusting yourself, turn from your self-protection, turn from all the, the things you've done well that would earn your way to God. Admit, maybe the hardest part for us, men and women, I can't do it on my own. I just can't, I just can't get to God on my own. I can't make it right. Jesus says, believe, trust, put your faith in, submit, live for the new king. Live according to his rules. Those rules are rules that come down with grace abundant in Jesus. So the facts of the gospel. Let's just go through the facts of the gospel. There is a God and I'm not him. That's number one. <laughs> and neither are you. There is a God who created all mankind. Everything you see and everything you don't see. And that God loves you. That God who created all things, all power, standing outside of time and eternity with all wisdom and all knowledge, completely powerful, longs to have a personal relationship with each person that he created. He wants us. God wants us. He loves us. John three sixteen. You may have heard this or read this at a golf event. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God said, I love each individual so much that I'm giving my most beloved, my son. You know, and sometimes we think about that verse as like, this is just sort of a for later. You know, if I believe in Jesus, and maybe you've even heard this, if you believe in Jesus, the bonus is you get heaven at the end. Well, I just think that that short, short shrift's the gospel. Because Jesus said, John 17:3, this is eternal life. That they know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Here's Jesus talking to his father and says, eternal life is not just about longevity. It's about quality. It's about having the kingdom in your life today. Meeting with Jesus. We can know God. We can walk with God. It's an invitation. God loves us. Every good story has a dramatic point where something goes terribly wrong. <laughs> we love stories of redemption, and there is no redemption without some sort of failure. And the failure of all men is kind of what I would call the bad news of the good news. Romans 3.23, Paul's writing, and he says, All have sinned, and they've fallen short of God's glorious standard. We, we're all there. So, uh, a funny story <clears throat> Um, I was really excited about the message this morning. I was up early, you know, and, and getting dressed. And I just want to tell you as a precursor that at some point in my life, I said, God, anything, whatever you want, whatever you want for me, I'll do. If you want to make an example of me, do it. I've said that to God. He's a good father. It's OK to say, God, whatever you want. If you want to make an example of me, do it. So, um it was just before we were going to pray in there this morning, and um, I was putting this mic on. I wasn't thinking about the concept of all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. But I, I put this on, and I'm, I'm not a big, like, look how I look, but I happen to go in front of the mirror. And I just noticed there's a small hole in my sweater. And I'm sometimes a preacher like this, you know. So my first thought was, wow, God, thanks for showing me that so I could take the sweater off. And the next thing the Lord gave to me was, don't take the sweater off. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You can think you've got it all figured out. You can look in the mirror of your own judgment and say, you know what? I think we're looking good. I think we've got every base covered until you're completely vulnerable (laughs) All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Everyone, and the the bad news of the good news is this, that one way in which you've turned away from God's perfect will, the Bible calls it sin, it separates us from God. One sin. The actual Greek word for sin, hamartia, It's the same word, so this is in the New Testament over and over again, it's the same word that the Greeks would use in the first century if they were uh, archers and they were trying to hit the bullseye. And sin was the degree to which the arrow you shot was away from perfection. So our sin, if you think about it figuratively, is any way, small or large, in which we have stepped out of perfection that God demands of us, perfect holiness. And I don't think most people need a big uh, speech to convince them they've strayed from God's perfect way. That's sort of the, the bad news of the of the good news. Here's the good news getting better. God made a provision for our sin. God had a plan ahead of time. It, it didn't it wasn't a shock to God when Adam and Eve sinned and then each one of us made our choices to walk away from him. God wasn't like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? They've missed the mark of perfection. God had a plan. God had a plan that would redeem our lives of imperfection. Romans 3, 24 and 25, it says this, yet God, so I just talked about we're all falling short of God's glorious standard. Remember that? Fell short. (laughs) Yet God, in his grace, freely, just say it with me, freely, makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Just note that God's provision for man's sin has nothing to do with man or woman's work, or striving, or even right thinking. You can't you can't you can't uh, righteously act your way into God's favor. One sin separates you, once and for all. But God's provision for man's sin is Jesus. Why could Jesus be the perfect provision for man's sin? Because he lived on the earth like us, here's a mystery, completely God, completely man. And he was tempted, this is what the Bible says, he was tempted in every way like us, yet without sin. So Jesus faced every temptation we could face. Don't don't think that your temptations are peculiar to you. Jesus faced it, he knows what it's like. He knows the the threat of temptation. And yet he did it without sinning. He never caved in. And so it was that Jesus, Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, God in human flesh, came for us so that we could know and experience the plan that God has for us, the love that God has for us, the, the abundant life that God has for us in this life, as well as for eternity, intimately connected with God forever and ever. That's God's provision for man's sin. The righteous died for the unrighteous. In my terms, the perfect for the imperfect. That's why when John the Baptist first sees Jesus, he looks at him, I meaning they're cousins. They know each other. They've grown up. They've, they've, you know, They've had some time. But when John the Baptist, revealed by God, looks at Jesus, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They're, they're talking about a, an Old Testament system of you know, blood given for sacrifice to, to take care of sin. And John understands by the Holy Spirit, this is the Lamb of God. This is the perfect one who comes to give his life so that all the imperfect ones could have what they in no way deserve. Life with God. Restoration, redemption. Romans 5.8 says this, but God showed his great love for us. The love theme goes all the way through the good news by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. There's a whole message that I won't go into there because I don't want to go down the negative thought of where we have been, but let's just accept the reality before we even sinned in this life, Christ died for us. He knew what was coming in our lives. Your sin is not a surprise to Jesus. He felt it, knew it, experienced it, the consequences of it on the cross 2000 years ago. While we were still doing our stuff, he'd already died. He knew what was coming. Can you believe this is an awesome thought that you were on the mind of Christ as he hung on the cross. That's the fully God God part of him, right? I I can't even, you know, listen to my wife and type a note at the same time, (laughs) let alone have a whole world of people on my mind. But you were on the mind of Jesus as he was giving his body, his life, and giving up his spirit so you could know the Father. To show that Jesus has power even over death. He rose from the dead. He walked and he talked and he taught again among people. And then he ascended into heaven. I have no idea what that looked like. You know what? We had the men's retreat this weekend. And one of the questions we talked about each other was with each other was like, we're men. okay? we got to start low. All right. Favorite superhero, you know. Or what would you be if you if you were going to be a superhero? What would your superpower be? You know. And why? And what would your name be? And I'm not going into all that right now. But many of us wanted to fly or teleport or something like that. Well, Jesus did it. You know? The complete power of God, and there's Jesus, completely in fleshly body, though glorified, the body of flesh, and it ascends. I don't know what it looked like, but it must have been amazing. One of the reasons that I think, my opinion here, that Jesus ascended physically with eyes looking on him, is because the promises that Jesus will return again. The king who came and gave his life for the subjects to make them friends, who's reigning in heaven now will once again come and establish a perfect rule on earth here. And we who believe in him will be part of it. I've got to believe that we will be endued with superpowers. Daniel, you will fly.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and because Jesus is God, Jesus is able to bring us to God. Jesus, life and death on our behalf bridges the gulf of sin between us and God. God has a plan for us to reach God, not on our own, but because of Jesus. And Jesus said it, John 14:6. He said, I'm the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is the bridge from sin and its payment to life and eternal life to know God. Jesus makes it possible for us to have a relationship with the Father. And a relationship with God is open to all. It's a gift. It's a free It's a free gift. No work can earn this for you. The only thing you can do to find yourself in reception of the gift is to say yes, is to accept the gift of eternal life. So Paul's writing in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and he says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. You know, people people hearing the good news for the first time and Christians who've known the good news for a long time need to understand salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Grace doesn't change to law the day we become children of God. Grace is grace. First, middle, and last. So none of us can boast about it for we're God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things that he planned for us long ago. Jesus came provision for our sin, and when we simply accept, when we simply believe that Jesus came for us, that his death was the payment for us, and we say, yes, I'll accept the gift of righteousness in the place of my unrighteousness, then God says, we're together again. You're my beloved. John one twelve says this, that, To all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. I just want to make the emphasis, not to all who tried really hard, not to all who had the right theology, not to all who went to the right church, not to all who got it all figured out, who studied every religion and then figured out in their own brain what was truth. No, to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. You know, I, I'm I'm not a Facebook person. My only social media is LinkedIn because that seems somehow professionally cool or something. But I do know that I get these requests all the time. You know, people want to be linked with me and I cannot get linked to that person. I can't have access to all of their amazing uh, qualities and all of their connections unless I click the thing that says accept. And then I'm linked in. Well, it, it is the same with salvation, you know. Jesus is issuing an invitation. He says, I want to be linked with you. I, I want us to be one. I want people to see me when they see you. And there is a, a part of that for us. It's the yes. I asked uh, Austin, Austin, you want to come up? I asked Austin Bontrager to come up and just share briefly sort of how this is personal to him. What happened in his own life. Um, Austin and I are becoming friends. We were uh, in a discipleship group together, and um, I have a great respect for Austin in his life and in his walk with God. The only thing I'm a little upset with Austin about is yesterday at the football game in the men's retreat, uh, he busted up what was going to be a miraculous catch yeah. on my part, and there's a little bit of pain involved right here as a result of that.
1: <laughs> Other than that,
0: Austin, I want to hear everything you have to say. All right.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Randy. Um, so when you think about giving your testimony and you, you think about telling your life story, generally, you know, there's little pieces from every part of your life that kind of make up the whole thing. Uh, but for today, all you really need to know about the first 19 years of my life is that if you had a daughter that was the same age as me, you would have been fine with her dating me. Uh, I was the good Christian kid. I, I did all the right things. Uh, I didn't drink. I didn't sleep around. uh, I didn't get in trouble. I, you know, I was a good student, a good athlete, involved in my church and my youth group. Uh, I looked good from the outside. Uh, but when I was 19, I went to Ball State. I had uh, roommates who went out and partied that very first week. I was sitting by myself in the dorm room. They called me about 1 a.m., belligerently drunk, wanted me to come pick them up. So I I went, I got him, I dropped him off at our dorm room. And when I was walking back from my car that night, I had a moment that would change my life. I was walking back all by myself and it hit me. I was all alone. I had nobody else. I had nothing. And all the good things I had done, the good kid that I had been had gotten me nowhere. I was completely empty. It was worthless. So from that point, that led to me not going to class anymore. I began drinking. I began indulging in my sins. Until again, I hit that point of emptiness. Again, there was nothing left. At that point, the Lord opened my eyes using an organization called Crew and a fellow student named Josh. Josh sat down with me and he shared the gospel. He began to teach me what it actually meant. And through Josh, I was able to see three things that I'd been missing all along. Because I knew there was a God. And I even knew that that God loved me. But there were three very important things that I didn't know. One was God's holiness. I, I knew that God was good. Good as, a, as the opposite of evil. But holiness isn't just the opposite of evil. Holiness is opposed to evil. God is holy and righteous and because of that, He cannot be around sin. Sin cannot exist in His presence. He must destroy sin and everything that comes with it. And the second thing that I didn't know was the actual weight of my sinfulness. I thought that all my good things, all those things that I had done, being the good Christian kid, was going to be enough. And it wasn't. What I deserved because of my sin was that full wrath of God's holiness. That full, righteous, holy wrath that God was going to pour out on sin, deserved to be poured out on me. And once I realized those two things, then I could accept the third thing, and that was Jesus. It wasn't until I realized what I actually deserved and what was actually coming my way that I saw my need for Jesus, that I saw my need for the perfect Son of God to take that sin and die on the cross. Not just die, not just take the punishment that I deserve, but to then rise And allow me to partake in the reward that he had been given. Not just that he rose physically, but that he rose spiritually. He defeated that sin and was seated at the right hand of God. And then I was allowed to take part in that. So that I may be in fellowship with Jesus today and tomorrow and for all of eternity. And when I realized those three things, it changed my life forever. Fast forward to this year, July 5th. I took another walk that would change my life forever. I was walking into a doctor's office, carrying a paper bag containing the child that my wife had been carrying for four and a half months. And in that moment, I went back. There was a brief, just a split second, where everything was gone again. All the good things disappeared. All those blessings in my life, even the pain and the grief, it all disappeared. And I was completely empty. Again, there was nothing left. There was nothing left except the cross. There was nothing left except hope. There was nothing left except a God who loved me enough that he carried his paper bag all the way to the cross that I deserve to die on. That's all that was left. And it was enough. And it was beautiful.
0: I want to ask um, Lynn, would you come forward and begin to play? And some of the ministry team members, if you could come forward also, maybe more to the sides, the ministry team this morning. I want to do a couple of things. Um, I want to issue first and foremost an invitation to anyone here this morning who has never received the hope, the forgiveness, the filling of God's. Presence, like Austin was talking about. If you've never done that before, I want to invite you to meet God today. God wants to meet you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And he did all that I described and all that Austin described and more so that we could have that relationship. So I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you have never given your life to Christ, you've never asked him to come in and to save you from your sin and to be your king, and to give you eternal life. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. So I'm going to pray a prayer. And if that desire of your heart is to have a relationship with God through Christ. Just in your heart. You don't have to do it aloud. Just um, I'll give you time while I'm praying. Just pray this prayer after me. Let's bow our heads. God, I thank you that you love me. God, I recognize that my sin and rebellion, my imperfection, has kept me from your perfect will. God, this morning I confess the reality and the weight of my sin. Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you that you died on the cross for my sin. I ask you now, Jesus, to come into my life. To forgive my sin. To restore my relationship with God the Father. Jesus, I give you rule and reign over my life. I believe you died and rose again with me in mind. Now fill me with the Holy Spirit of God that I might know and experience God's love here and now. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing that I want to ask is that if you, just after me, prayed that prayer and asked Jesus to come into your life and you did it for the first time, honestly, I don't care if you've been in church for 10, 20 or 30 years, I know a bishop in another church who actually became a Christian while he, as a priest, was preaching on John three sixteen. He'd gone to seminary. He was following God. You know, people probably looked at him like they looked at Austin. This is a good guy. But when he saw what Jesus had done for him, he realized while he was preaching his sermon, he had never believed. And right there, he met God in the pulpit while he was proclaiming the good news. So there is no shame to come forward if you have looked like a Christian but have never believed now. So I'd like to ask you, if you have given your life just now for the first time to Jesus, would you just come forward and pray with one of the people up front? If there's anyone here this morning, I just ask you to come forward now, just to pray with someone up front. As we uh, as we close this service today, I want to give you two invitations. One is an invitation: if God's knocking on your heart right now, you've got some questions about this message this morning. You you can feel the pull of God on your heart, but you've got some questions. I want you to be able to come up and talk to Austin or me or anyone on the ministry team here. You're welcome here to 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 seek out God to to find your answers here. So I'd ask you to come forward if you've got questions. Second and last, if you're a believer in Jesus and this gospel is real to you, and you know that the power of the Holy Spirit is present in you. I want to end where we started today, which was we need revival. And a part of revival is believers being so enamored in a positive way with the glory of God in the face of Christ that it changes who they are so if you're in that place today where you like I said some time ago in my life you're ready to say to God God you can make an example of me then I'd ask you to come forward and we want to pray for you if you just need to be forward before God and not a person that's fine but come forward and kneel and uh, we'll close this time now Ministry team, you guys have any other uh, words, encouragement, prophetic, anything else you want to share?
1: Um, This isn't a word or a prophetic as much as it's just an invitation. If um, you need healing in your body for anything, um, also please come forward and uh, let's pray for you.
0: Anything else?
1: I feel like the Lord's saying that there's someone here, and you know this could be many of us, but someone in particular that you're just really struggling in your job right now. And he wants to minister to you, and we'll see where he takes it from there.
0: Okay, let's stand. I invite you, if you're responding to any of those invitations, you can go ahead and start coming forward before the Lord or before someone else to pray. God, thank you. Thank you that your love was manifest in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And there's nothing we could have done to earn it. We joyfully, gladly accept the grace of the good news of Jesus in our lives. Empower us now, by the Holy Spirit, to be examples for the world of what it means to live with Jesus. Not perfect people but forgiven people. Not even powerful people, but empowered people to carry the hope of the gospel everywhere we go. God, we trust you. And we give ourselves to you. and We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.